Yes, I know Joe from back in 2014. We were working together. I was an RA at that point, resident assistant, and Joe was an acquaintance at a table. We met and we hung out. Um, and then the ne very next year, we were RA partners together. He came on the team. And then eventually, I graduated and I moved on to another position at the, at the college. And then he moved on to student life, moved up the ranks, and he got a position in the student life office. And then eventually, he's like, Chris, why don't you come along too? And got me up in there. And it was, it was just interesting to see how he started off, the, how I started off first, and then he came alongside, and then he eventually moved up, and then I come, came alongside, and he moved over here, and I came along. So God just has been moving me with Joe. I don't know where it'll take us, but it's been a great ride so far. Um, tonight, we're going to be in Luke, Luke chapter, now let me pull out my notes just to make sure I don't give you the wrong passage, but it's Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, as I've been studying for this, for this message, that God's just been really working on me and mulling me over. I, I had one youth pastor who was training me years ago. He said, if you can preach to the young kids, you can preach to anybody. So, if you, so some of the kids, they might have already heard this message in Sunday school class a few weeks back. But part of it, I, I molded over, I gave it to them first, and it's about the, the Good Samaritan. But before we look at the Good Samaritan and all of the conversation going back and forth, I want to give you some context for what, what's happening with Jesus and his ministry at this point. Um, if you back up, not too far, but back up to chapter 9, if you look at verse 51, I, Jesus right now is, is sending out his disciples. He's going and preaching, and he doesn't have mail-out flyers like we do today. He doesn't have radio broadcasts. So he uses people that go before him and have the message that he's going to preach. And he, he sends out his, his people and he says, hey, go in every single village and tell them that I'm coming. Tell them about me. Tell them about my message. Gather the people up. And they went and they did all this. They went to different places. But one place in, in particular was um, a Samaritan section. And they go in there and read with me and see what happens with the Samaritans. Verse 51, it says, And it came to pass, when the time was come, that he should be received up, he, steadily, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, Wilt thou, we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. And they continue on. They, they visit all these different villages. They keep preaching. And Jesus is going along, but I want to stop before we get into the, the, the crux of our message in the Samaritan, because I want to give you some context of who the Samaritans were. Because when I read this, I oftentimes think of the good Samaritans, and there's the Samaritan purse today, and there's different organizations that they want to go and they want to be, do charity to other people. Um, but who were the Samaritans? Why in here 
when, when they were sent out and said they couldn't go to that village, why are they so mad at these people? Why did Jesus use the Samaritan as a person who was um, the complete opposite and shock and awe uh, to, to, to the Jewish crowd? And he was somebody who was surprisingly somebody who would show love to somebody else. And it's because the Samaritans and the Jews, they had a past. The Samaritans and, and Jews, they hate each other. And today we have some kind of, some races going back and forth that hate people. And, they, and, and the liberal crowd, they pushes that agenda and saying that races back and forth that today we really should hate each other and they try to divide us. But the Jewish people and the Samaritans, they were really divided. They were, they hate each other and it goes really back. Historically, if you look at the, what all happened to their, to, to, to their ancestral period, it's, it's amazing how it really just kept the bitterness in their, in their groups, really was cemented in their, in their society. All the way back when the, the, the Assyrians and the Persians came through, the big groups of, of, of people that came through and, and conquered Israel, conquered the, the nations that were th in Judea, Samaria was taken up captive. And if you remember the Old Testament where it talks about the kingdoms were divided. Samaria was the capital of the northern tribes. So they were taken out. And Assyria, they had this, um, this tradition that they would usually move people from one to another place. So the, Assyria, the Samaritans, whether or not they were true Jewish people or not, they were here, they took up some allegiance to Judaism, they followed some of the traditions, and they might not have been Jewish, they might have been half-Jewish, they might have been people that came over and were, and were there. But nonetheless, they took quite a bit from the Judeo-Christian, from the, from the Jewish religion. In fact, in Shechem there, where if you look back in the Bible, Shechem was a place that people sacrificed at. They, they built altars to God. And Shechem is where Samaria would have been where they would have worshipped God. And you see at different points where the woman at the well would have, she asked the question herself, are, are we supposed to worship God on this mountain? Or are we supposed to worship down in Jerusalem? Because if you look at history, originally it, the people of Israel didn't worship God in Jerusalem. So there, there's some argument back and forth of where, where are we supposed to worship God? And it's, the Samaritans, they, had, they were at odds with them. But even further, if you move along in history, I want to give this to you, because this, the history of the Samaritans and the Jews really makes the story of the, of the Good Samaritan come alive. And the, the Samaritans, if you think back through, there was a time when, when Ezra and Nehemiah, they came back from Persia, from Babylon, they came back, and they resettled the land, and they rebuilt the temple first with Ezra, and then they rebuilt the, the, the city walls. It was the Samaritans with Samballot that had persecuted, and they had tried to hinder the rebuild of Jerusalem. So there's some animosity with them that they didn't want. They didn't want Jerusalem rebuilt. And then further on in the, in the, the Maccabean period, in that inner church period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was this time period that the Jewish people actually had conquered the Samaritans.
and they enslave them, and they persecute them, they put them under bondage to them in different ways. So there's this animosity going back and forth, both socially and religiously. So when you come to this part, where the Samaritans, they hate the Jews as much as the Jews hate the Samaritans, you come to this portion of Scripture where we really see love in action. And I believe that from this message, we can see that God wants you to put your love in action by loving your neighbor. And we see this as we come to the 10th chapter of Luke, where this lawyer interrupts Jesus' speaking and asks him a question. It's really an inquiry question, similar to when you're, you, you might have asked your, your child a question that would be similar in, in such a way where you don't really want the answer, you just want to see if they're going to give you the right answer, right? And you ask them, hey, is there a cookie on your face? Did you eat the cookie? And the child says no or yes, depending on what they really want to say. But it's, the questioning isn't so much, do I want to know the answer, but I want to know if you're going to give me the right answer, justifying yourself. So just think of that as the question unfolds here. And in verse 51, verse, um, let, me, let me scroll down. Luke 10, 25 is where we're at. Luke 10, 25. And it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? And how readest thou? I want to stop for a moment and turn back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Because right now, he's asked the question, what is written in the law? In Exodus chapter 20, that's the section where we see what does the law say. Because he's referencing this. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17, I'm going to read through this and follow along. And it's a lengthy passage, but I think it's really given the context as this man answers the question. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, it says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. 
honor thy father and thy mother that, in, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's, wife, thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservants, nor his maidservants, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Here in this passage we see the law. Now he goes further along and he, he defines it more and he the different situations. What, what do I do in this situation? But this is really the, the main point of the law. And the, the lawgiver, the, the lawyer, really, who is supposed to be the one who knows the law, who would teach it to the people, he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So he looked at all of the laws, and he said, love God, love others. And Jesus says unto him, thou hast answered right, do this, and thou shalt live. But the lawyer doesn't stop there, does he? He wants to next, he asks the inquiring question about how do you get eternal life? But then he wants to justify himself. He asks this next question to make himself say, yeah, this is, what I'm, this is who I am. This is what I'm, I can do. He wants everybody to hear the answer that the Lord's going to give to make him justified before the people. And just like when you ask, ask that child, hey, what's the answer? He doesn't want to change himself. He wants everyone to know that he's arrived. And he asks again, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? That's the question. Now, in my mind, I oftentimes grew up, and I'm around here, I'm sure the same, that your neighbor is someone next to you. Your neighbor is that, that house adjacent to your house. But Jesus takes it a totally different direction than what this man was expecting. And I'm sure... As he's reading this, the audience is like, eyes are getting big, and they're getting appalled a little bit. They're like, that's my neighbor? Can I even love that person? Well, let's go ahead and walk through this passage tonight on Luke chapter 10, and pick up there in verse 30. And it says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem, probably a Jewish man, because he's coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Not a good state right now. And by chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Hmm. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Now we ask them the question, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he, the lawyer, said, He that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, so much for this message so far, for your word. I pray that you would help us to apply your word to our hearts. Help us to be changed by it. Pray in Christ's name, amen. Introduction will take up most of it. But as we look at this, it's the Samaritan that comes out as being somebody who is an unlikely hero. The Samaritan, who the Jews hate. Now, I would have thought, and oftentimes I think when I was a child, I thought this way, and as I, the more I read it, I was like, my, my thoughts is wrong. You re, and I've done that a lot of times, and I think that's when preachers, the more you read God's word, you're like, whoa, when I was a child, that didn't sound the same way when my teacher taught it to me. We do that with movies sometimes. We watch a movie or read a book, and we're like, that was there? I missed it before. It's because you're focusing on other things. But I would have thought in this message that the Samaritan, you know, he's, he's, out, he's helping this individual, and he didn't need to. And he was going out of his way. But really, really, the Samaritan wasn't just helping somebody in need. He's helping somebody who he hated, and who hated him. Wow. This isn't somebody who is simply next door to your house, who is conveniently placed in your life. I imagine that the, that the, the Jewish lawyer, he probably lived in an area that was kind of surrounded by people that he could control his environment. He purposely put people in his life that his neighbor was probably easy to get along with. He didn't live ne next to a Samaritan. He probably didn't live next to a Roman soldier. He probably didn't live in the slums that Jesus oftentimes went to. And so when he says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, thy neighbor is the person who you would be hated by and who would hate and who you would hate. The person who is in need that you see and you can show mercy to. Now, I don't think that he's mentioning what he believes. He's not talking about, should, should I go and join up in the cause with the other person and believe what they believe? He's not asking us to change our values or our principles. But he is telling us that at times, you have to look at somebody as a human being and take pity on them and help them. And oftentimes, we get so busy with our lives. We go to work, we go back home, we deal with our family. We go to work, we come back home, we deal with our family. And we get in this cycle. And not all of us are in it. Well, that's where I was at. 
Do we purposely look for people that we can help? And it doesn't have to be someone that hates us. But do we go out of our way to look at somebody in need and whether or not they can do anything for us, help them? The cantata that we're doing coincides so beautifully with this. And as I'm, I, was, I was preparing for this and I'm singing cantata, I'm like, wow. They go so well together, and it's not speaking only to the person who's unsaved, it's speaking to me, that I'm the person who needs to go and look for someone in need. I want to compare the three people that stopped by, the, 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 the priest, the Levite, the, against the Samaritan. And you could even say the, the first group of people, the, the thieves, there was, as I was looking through commentators, there was one guy that put it up and said, as a kind of a pithy thing or a thing that you can remember, that, that when this Jewish man was walking through first, he was first beat up. The priest and the Levite passed him up, and, but that, that Samaritan, he stopped and he picked him up. There was somebody else that said that when those Thieves walked by, they looked at him and they said, what yours is mine, and they took it. The priests walked by and they said, what's mine is mine, and I think I'll just keep it. But that third person, the Samaritan, walked by and said, what's mine is yours, we'll share it. And they saw someone in need, and they took time, he took a moment to have compassion and as you read that little bit of story about a man who stopped and helped somebody in need, he spent his time, his energy, and his possessions. And I wonder, as I think about, I know this is a story and you could read into it, and it's really just a, a parable, an illustration. But as you see these people walking by, I just have to think, if, if I was in, in that person's shoes as I like to put myself into sometimes. If I was the priest and Levite, and I really had somewhere to go, I could justify myself that I'm too busy for that right now. If I were to help that person, I would have to re-clean myself. And if I'm going to the temple, I have to re-clean myself. And I, I, can't, I can't stop that. I'll have to wait seven days. If I was a priest, and I was about ready to do sacrifice, I have to go through a cleansing process to be able to help that person. I don't have time for that right now. I'm busy. I have to go. The Levite could have justified himself and said, whoa, I'm supposed to be working in the temple. I'm supposed to be about God's business. I don't have time for that. If I were to stop and take it out, I, would, I might not be able to do my job. I don't have time. They might have said, well, if I, if I see it, no one's really watching, so it doesn't benefit me. If he dies there, no one really is going to see it that I didn't stop, so let's just keep going. But the Samaritan asks the same questions. He says, I'm busy. I'm, a, I'm, I'm traveling. He's someone he has, the, has, a, has a donkey. He has money that he could, he could give. He's not in the poor class, but he still stops. He takes care of them, of this individual who is in need. And he probably had places to go. And no one would have seen him if he would have walked by. 
and no one saw him when he picked him up. And I'm just imagining, thinking of myself, in this person's shoe, in this parable, if I was that individual, listening to that person on the ground, wondering what I should do, do I have time for this, what can I do? And I think maybe one of my solutions might be to not pack my life so full. There was a professor that he, he told, he told us some, a, some, um, preacher boys, some people in seminary, whatever you call us, but he said, guys, don't, don't have your life without margin. That if something unexpected happens, that it's a, it's a tragedy. Like, it, it's, it's a big deal if anything in your schedule gets moved around. Sometimes we have to pull something out so that we can have the time that when God brings us something along, we can actually take the time to help somebody. And it's hard in our busy schedules that we help so many people already. We pack our days that we have no time to help anybody. And I, I get that. I really do. And it's a challenge to me to shift things around and have some balance in my life. What was really challenging to me also is, as I looked at this message, this, this man who was a Samaritan, I almost see maybe a glimpse, a glimpse as Jesus is telling this story, and he thinks of himself, that in a little bit I will be on the cross. I will give of myself to, to a, a people who give nothing to me. A people who don't care about me. And generations from now, throughout time, there will be in a place in Ocala where if I, if I came or I didn't, people might or may not have realized that I didn't come. But I'm going to give my life to sacrifice for this group. And Jesus Christ gave of his time, his energy, and as Pastor mentioned, the most excruciating part of the whole entire crucifixion was the moment that Jesus, his relationship with God was severed. And God had to turn his back on Jesus Christ and his sin that Christ was bearing all for us. That is what God wants us to do. The kind of love that God wants us to share. The Samaritan is a, someone who we can relate with. We can humanize and we can say this is something we can do. But as we follow the example of Christ and his sacrifice, we see that somebody who has done so much for us, can we not take as this this Samaritan, an unlikely character, would stop and give of himself into someone in need, not as my enemy, but as a human being that God loves. Would we love, as the song we're going to sing for the cantata says, love as I loved, give as I gave, Jesus Christ did that for us, would we not do the same for those that we are able to in our lives? God 
God wants us to put our love in action by loving our neighbor.